Good morning. It's Friday and it's time for the Friday Grief Chat with Jill and Deb. And Hi, we're so glad you're here. here. Hey, hey. How's, your, how's your week been? There's been a lot of like losses, not like someone has died, yeah. but losses of and I, I guess when my friend called me up today to cancel, I thought about how other people would feel when you find out you've been exposed to COVID and ethically, not what your bosses, because what a lot of bosses are saying is, do you have symptoms? Are you wearing a mask? You're okay. That's not what this boss is saying. Let me just say. I, I know, but I'm <laughs> saying are. a lot yeah. of people are saying, go ahead and go to work. And so now, depending on what kind of what, if you're an independent contractor, sometimes you can say, no, I can't do that. The rest of my business will suffer. Yeah. Meaning if I get sick or I find, or I make others sick, I lose business. Right. So I think about that kind of, I don't know what to call it, but an integral loss. Mm -hmm. That which, when you want to do the ethical thing, remember back in the day, even nurses, oh, it's just a cold. And right. you didn't even mask. I don't have a fever. That's all you, you know. But they need me. Had a fever. How, how big is the fever? <laughs> My colleagues need me. I, there's not enough staff. I need to go. Yeah. So that's one of the losses. Then I was thinking about intergenerational trauma. Especially and, with the International Holocaust Day yesterday, Remembrance Day. Yes. Yeah. And how that passes down from generation to generation. Yes. And I, I, I was thinking about that because, you know, growing up in Skokie, we had a lot of Holocaust survivors. And I went to high school with them. Now, I didn't know that then. But as I found out things, you know, through someone else down the road, whatever, you relook at their behavior. And you go, Oh, so it's like, the way you thought before, and the way you think now are different. It changes. Yeah. It changes. And then I thought about the loss of not shared realities. You know, whether right. it's a lot of people are, whether it's a not a shared reality, if you're taking care of your mom, dad, auntie, whatever, who has dementia, that mm -hmm. obviously isn't a shared, shared reality. Right. And if, you know, you've, work really hard on distancing yourself from your family. And then you go back in for whether the holidays or whatever, then that's also like a loss, right? Because you're not going to have a shared rela uh, reality of where things are. You know what I mean? Like you're just not sharing. So I think about, are they deaths? No, but they're like, integral micro losses yeah 
Yeah. You know, my mom grew up in the depression. So did my dad dating mm -hmm. myself there. And, um, that showed up in my grandmother and my mom more than my dad, but mm -hmm. to some degree, my dad, and it still shows up in all of us in some of our behaviors mm -hmm. that we really have to think two and three times like that whole, we really haven't used it. It could go someplace else, right? Just because it's on sale at the supermarket doesn't mean we need to stock it up in case of, although we're stocking a little bit with COVID, but not like, you know, the mama would have, right? Right, right. Not five rolls of, um, five rolls of extra large tin foil. Right. Because it's on sale. Or pinto beans, which nobody in oh, my family yeah. cooks with, but, you know, you got to have the pinto beans. It's... It shows up, you know, I, I do genealogy and right. it shows up in um, the names of people hundreds and hundreds of years back. Mm -hmm. There was one young lady who was a great grandmother of mine, multiple, multiple hundreds of years ago. And she was the sole survivor in her family of the Black Plague. And you could see in the, the listings in the church when each of her siblings, her parents, and her grandparents, who all in the shared house, died mm -hmm. in that mm -hmm. one 18-month period, she was the only one. She was seven. Mm. For hundreds of years, every family that came down that branch line had a mm -hmm. daughter named after her. And everybody knew the story. Someone did an oral history in 1954, and her story was there like it happened yesterday. And the awareness of how people died, how old they were, that came with it. That's like a thing in that side of the family. Mm -hmm. That's intergenerational trauma. Intergenerate, like you keep remembering it or you don't know because it's hidden why the grandmother acted that way. But right. nevertheless, she acted that way, which caused her daughter to act that way, which caused Right. The granddaughter to act that way. And now even a great granddaughter. So Holocaust survivors, we get exactly, a lot exactly of stuff. We get isolation in senior communities because there's not there's a, a, a real breach of trust in institutions. Mm -hmm. There's sometimes difficulty trusting the financial system. And with all of the anti-Semitic hate crimes, that just is making it so much worse it, but it that's, yeah it for me there's those little things that um when someone says something that's blatantly anti-semitic such as and this is true and this will show you my ignorance i just want to show my ignorance this was by I, a person I went to church, church with someplace else and they were a yoga teacher. And so I'm making the assumption yoga teachers don't say stuff like this, but this person said, well, you know, all the Catholic hospitals are owned by Jews and that's why we have these problems. And I go, I'm Jewish, grew up Jewish. I never heard that. Oh, that's interesting. 
So that's a blatant one, right? Right. But there's the, the more subtle ones. And there are a couple of my friends and another humor person and I were talking about trusting where something is coming from. Mm -hmm. And, and they'll even ask, does that bother you? And the fact that they even ask that makes me love them more and no, I can laugh. But those other subtle ones, I mentioned a granddaughter said, all Jews are bad. And I'm like, what? Where'd you, where'd you get that from? Bubba I is Jewish. Stop that. What? Bubba is Jewish. Don't say that. Well, I, I had said to her, you know, I'm Jewish. Now, right. she she since moved past that and stuff. But, right. you know, I said something to the parents and the parents said, I don't know where she would get that. That's nothing we say. That's right. Because they're paying attention to maybe someone at the church or someone at their school or a parent or on the bus or whatever, because right. they hear those things. And so... Once again, it's like a micro loss. And when you have a series of micro losses, your resilience goes down. Your resilience to hearing the either the blatant or a, another micro loss, you're like, I am done. Or micro assault. Micro assault. Right. Yes. I've got yeah. a very dear friend who is um, whose family came here from Taiwan and um, they identify as Taiwanese, not Chinese. Um, but they have been, she's had some really ugly incidents recently with oh, stupid yeah. people. And there's an, a long history, if you go back to Nanking, where there was such trauma there that sort of generalized across and then with the Japanese community here, we had, I have lots of friends whose family members were removed and placed in concentration camps during World War II here in this country. Oh, in California. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, we had a lot of them. And there's, they don't speak of it unless you bring it up. You just don't. And, and it's important, I think, to bring it up and to make it, make everyone aware this is a Holocaust family. This is an internment family. This is um, an indigenous family. Oh. These are the things they have coped with. And that when there's a loss, then that can sometimes come through. Plus, if you're an, an immigrant family, the loss of culture that you had to leave behind in whatever home was. Absolutely. Or like you said, indigenous loss of loss of culture and, being and it's still going on. Right. And right before Holocaust Remembrance Day in Tennessee, they took down one book because it had us in a in a in a library because it had a picture of a nude woman. Are they getting rid of all the in some areas? Oh, I, I get, I'm like, if there is a book, someone tells you you should never read it. Read it. Go to a library or order it online and read it. But And if you come from a family where there's a history, that you even have an inkling that there is some kind of intergenerational trauma, ask. Bring Here's it out if you can, <laughs> gently. 
Here's another thing that um, a friend of mine's uh, father uh, completed suicide, died by suicide. He knew he had Alzheimer's and he took himself out with a gun. Okay. And as a nurse, I know that's hard to do. You would think it's not. And then you're left with a lot of stuff, but he, he died. And the person's wife, my friend's wife at the time said, well, I told him not to tell his adult children how the father died. And I went, oh, that is not right. Even the funer funeral director and I talked about this. Yeah. And I said, let me, let me explain again to the, the son why it's important to tell his adult children. And I, to anybody listening here, when you die, there will be a, 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 I wanted to say a gift certificate, a death certificate. Maybe it is. And it gift. will say what happened. It will. And can you imagine the trauma it you will all the time your children through if they find out the truth and know they were it's like having a loss all over again why do people lie to their children that actually happened in our family not oh. a death by suicide but my great-grandfather died in 1909 and my dad his understanding was that his grandfather had died being hit by a truck at their work site bad enough that the truck had smashed him between the the truck and a loading dock um, it was at a paper mill that printed newspapers kind of a place back in the day and i made contact with by accident with a cousin from that side of the family that i had no contact with we grew up very separated i didn't even know who most of them were and she said yeah you know she was part of that family. She lived in that area. My dad grew up in the deep South. And she said, yeah, grandma, great grandma never got over how great grandpa died. That's why she was so sour and bitter. Plus she'd been left with nine kids mm. and the youngest was one. So my grandfather, my, my great grandfather actually quit. My, my grandfather quit school in sixth grade to su help support the family. So it had ramifications and it turned out that's not how he died. She said, yeah, it was horrible. And I said, yeah, that auto accident. She said, what auto accident? And then she described how he did die, which I'm not going to share here. And cause it is the stuff of a Stephen King movie. And she said, the, I'll send you the coroner's inquest. And she did. And they actually had a coroner's trial and it was gruesome. My dad had grown up believing his grandmother to be a really kind of a cold, bitter woman. He had no idea what happened to her or that his death was then deemed his fault, even though it oh. wasn't. So she oh. got no support and that was before social security. And that's why his dad was always working and he worked, you know, around the clock to support his family, which transmitted to my dad. All of that came from that. And then that came from an immigrant family that had already lost their culture coming over the ocean. So 
it happens. I had yeah. no idea that's where that came from. Oh, there goes the oodle. So if I could say to listening audience, blatantly lying or lying by omission. Not fair. It is not fair to the next generation. Or the one after that. This is 114 yeah. years later. It is I not found that out. Fair. Yeah. That's why, you know, one of my aunts, she was very open with me. She goes, oh, no, your grandma had three abortions in back alleys back in, you know, whenever, during the Depression time, you know. Oh, no, that was unfortunately commonplace. You say those things so that you get more of a sense. And people who want to deny history in this country people don't want to i think this is the toxic part about positivity they only want to see the good it's not all happy happy life is a balance between where you get to choose and if someone does have that trauma in their past or in their parents past that's right ask about it See how it affected them because it's affecting you and it's affecting right. how you manage grief. And it might impact your level of resilience unless you're aware of it and can really see how that's filtered and mm -hmm. gives you that gives you the opportunity to do something with it. And if your brother or sister, literally your siblings, um act strange sometimes they might have found out something right they might have all of a sudden a whole different take i mean you might have been the black sheep but once your your sibling or someone else related to you finds out it's a whole different ball game they yeah, might even have more compassion for you mm -hmm. Yeah. Secret keeping is really hard and secrets after a death are harder. There's they, actually um, several groups online now for people who very much loved their spouse or parent or sibling or whoever. But after their death, they found out some horrific stuff. Yeah. Or after their death, they were finally able to talk about the stuff going on behind the closed doors, whether That's it's right. substance abuse or process abuse or right. people Please. abuse. Right, that stuff comes forward. Lots of them with second families that nobody knew about, or third families. Oh, yeah. Or um, affairs, which were long ago, but because someone's had to keep it quiet, it's impacted their ability to really connect to other members of the family fully. That's right. That's that right. can really have an impact. And when you open those things up gently and carefully, it can actually tighten the family bond. Exactly. You know, that's what happened to. My brother and I, it was, you know, it's so funny. I was, I was so much the person that they didn't believe or I was exaggerating or whatever. And once they learned and figured out and all this stuff, I will just say, I mean, first my heart, I don't like to say this often. I cried for about six hours after I found this out. I was on the way home. And my heart 
I had healed and made peace with certain things, but my heart was like breaking for my bro who just figured out some of this information that I had been saying and his apology to me. That's where the bonding is for not really getting what I said, either blatantly or hinting or whatever. And so we have a relationship that's better. Just Oh, so much. There is a certain trust and honoring of the other person's perspectives. Right. We've, we've, I've seen that so many times, you know, if you go past through family histories um, and this comes from being an adoption worker, there are so many families where there have been familial adoptions or natural adoptions, right? It's a terrible word because all adoptions bring children naturally into a family. So and I don't like it when we divide and conquer you're adopted, you're right. not partly that's because right. I'm an adoption social worker, partly that's because I'm an adoptive mom. And I have an adopted cousin who I absolutely adore. And damn it, if she's the prettiest one of us, right? Ah. So, um, and the most skilled and talented. So, um, but she's still Swedish. <laughs> so, um, you know, when you have someone who's had a natural adoption and then someone dies in the family and there's an obituary and the obituary suddenly starts parceling out who's who. It's unnecessarily hurtful and it yes. may not even strike the person doing it that, that there could be harm from this, but the person on the receiving end, my mind goes to when um, the founder of Wendy's died and he had, he was very involved in adoptions because of his daughter, Wendy, who was in fact adopted. His other kids mm -hmm. were not. And they were very open about the fact that they stood up for adoption and they funded all kinds of adoption oriented activities to get foster kids out of foster mm -hmm. care and into homes. Mm -hmm. But every single obituary in the country that day is four natural daughters and his adopted daughter. Like, oh, no, they were a family. There were five or four or however many. But they felt a need to differentiate who's who. Or she was born to so-and-so, but raised by so-and-so. She was raised by her parents, so-and-so. Her birth mom was such-and-such. Such. It's a kind of way to put it if you want to include birth mom as a birth mom. Or if birth mom became a sister, leave her a sister. There's mm -hmm. no reason to bring that through. Absolutely. At a moment of great pain for a family. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm going to generalize here. Secrets bad, truth is good. Gently done. Gently done. Truth not in your face. Not that rip the band-aid thing off. Please don't do that. Gentle discussion. Yeah. Check, like Deb did with her brother. This is my perspective. There's your perspective. Here's where things were. That's yeah. how you honor each other's feelings about an intergenerational change or acknowledgement mm -hmm. or loss mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. it is ideally it is i say ideally because it doesn't always work out i mean right you know 
Yeah, Did you read like, any of the articles about from from the Holocaust Remembrance Day of people who were they they just found some little tags in Poland at one of the um, foundations of one of the crematoriums, and apparently the families had made tags for their kids in case they were separated, and in fact everybody was killed immediately upon arrival. I think it was to Treblinka, but I could be wrong. I think I'm wrong about that one. And those were just found in an excavation. And mm. they reached, the museum there reached out to cousins who didn't know they'd had cousins. They didn't even know this person existed. Right. And this is someone that they should have grown up with or would have been an aunt or uncle. And all of a sudden, this person is real to them. And all they've got to hold on to is a picture of a tag a family member lovingly made for this child. Mm. And it, powerful stories. Even in our local paper, they had someone, I, I guess I didn't realize that lives in, lived in Urbana and his parents died in the Holocaust. And the stuff that I posted, I have kept um, from when I went to the Holocaust Museum and different children as they have grown up or people that know me asked, do you have anything on the Holocaust at home that we can borrow? Mm -hmm. And so when you, I don't know how the one in Skokie is, but the one in DC. Oh, it's amazing. It, heart-wrenching and amazing. Heart-wrenching and um, they give you a little passport yes, and it has the name of somebody who died in the Holocaust. And you, you get this couple pages, little book, and then you get into an elevator. That's almost like a cattle car. And then you go to the different floors and I will tell you, seeing the piles of shoes from all yes. people who died and all the kids' shoes in that pile, which I just want to say, don't think that we're still not doing stuff like that because between, you know, there was um, the Lost Boys of the Sudan, Rwanda, there's all these countries, Cambodia, Cambodia all these countries are still doing stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Did you take your kids to the kids section when they were little? We took our kids through there. Uh, we did. Um, I don't know what kind of impact it had on them. Back we were then. so fortunate. We were there on a slow day and we got a guide all to ourselves. Oh. And you walk through this series of rooms, which are the experiences of these children. You find out at the end if your child lived or died. And then they had crayons and pens and paper, and they sat with the kids to make pictures of their impressions. And then they walked with us. They have a big room at the end of both tours, big round room. And sometimes there's a survivor sitting there. And it's quiet and you can light a candle and just absorb the enormity That's of what right. you just experienced. And um, she sat with us and sat with our kids so that we could have that moment 
And so that if the kids needed to go out, she could take them out and work with them some more. It was the most amazing experience. And if you're in Washington, D.C., um, after you visit the monuments, you need to go there. We did not, as I think about it, did not go to the kids section. But for me, I stopped at that big round room and lit a candle oh. and said the Shema. And I, that's all I could do. I, I just cried. Yeah, I was, I was holding on to Daryl pretty tight. And I don't cry in public, folks. That is not me. <laughs> but that was one of those you just needed to leave it there. Right. And right. Then, of course, that was long before COVID. And so as you walked out, if there were other people there, they just people just reached out and hugged. And there are people there from all over the world, all different religions. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it was a it was just an amazing experience. And and it really brings through what intergenerational trauma can be and how much loss there still remains even though we have very few survivors of the Holocaust still with us mm -hmm. just because of the passage of time. Mm -hmm. right. And for those that deny that it happened, I have no words. Is, that is also an assault on someone's history. Mm -hmm. It is an assault and it is abusive. So let me just say it straight out. Thank you for that. Yeah. So if, if you didn't know it was International Holocaust Remembrance Day, if you haven't thought about intergenerational trauma, there are lots of materials. I'll make sure we pop some up this week. Carrie, if you're listening to this, I hope you're going to help me do it because um, it's a busy week in our family this week um, and next week. But um, there are lots of different ones in all the communities, immigrant communities, Indigenous communities, minority communities of every kind, mm -hmm. communities where it's not a familial, it's a chosen family familial, LGBTQ community, for instance. Right, right. There's lots of intergenerational trauma there that isn't shared with your family of origin, but is shared with the family that you share as being part of that community. Right, right. right. Just like mm -hmm. if you join a religion that has intergenerational trauma, you take that on as part of your family's history now and you share it with your children. That's so right. Let's honor those and remember those. But let's also remember that we have a lot of really resilient survivors who have taught us a lot of stuff about how to take life and remake it and redo it and show your kids joy. You know, Victor Frankl in uh, Meaning of Life, his one instance and if this helps anybody, when you're feeling your lowest, physically, emotionally, you can't do anything else. What he did when he was walking from one part of the camp to the other, and no, if you fall down, they're going to shoot you. And so what he started to do to get himself energized was this is when you play the if game, right? You throw yourself in the future. If I survive this, I'm going to do this. And you give meaning to your life. If I survive this, I will help others not feel as lost and lonely or whatever it is you are feeling. If I survive this, that is a great if to 
help you as you go along. So I just want to say that. And you can do all of that with humor and grace and a smile on your face. That's right. And we want you to have some humor and some grace this weekend and this week. And um, I've been in touch with a couple of folks to come on as um, guests. I'm working on another veterinarian to uh -huh. see if we can get a, a vet to come on board um, as well as an, a veteran um, uh -huh. and see if we can't get that put together. Um, I need to get through next Monday first. Um, when we will be laying to rest, my um, beloved father-in-law, Bill Reedy. Mm -hmm. And That's after that, then I can get to work on some other things. But this I weekend is about my father-in-law. I have two guests also that I will be reaching out to and saying, hey, can we get you scheduled in blah, 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 blah. Yep. Yay. Yay. Excellent. I'm excited about that. I really am. And um, we have upgraded our stream yard, so now we can take the audio from the video and Deb and I can share that um, starting in a couple of weeks when we get it done so that there will be um, podcasts that you can listen to um, of us. Cause you know, you can never get enough Jill and Deb and our <laughs> highly disturbed sense of humor. Um, and I'm also going to just blatantly beg Rabbi Steve later to come on with us when yeah. I talk with him next month. So um, right. Fingers crossed, everybody, all the light, all the whatever, put it out there in the universe that we want him to come on and share some of his wisdom um, and his joy with us um, and his ability to battle so many things and come out on the other side. Right. Right. We'll get there. Thanks, Jill. Thanks for today. It's always good sharing time with you in space and energy. Thank you. Same to you. Thanks to everybody who watches and watches later. We will see you next week and uh, we'll change up the energy and have some, maybe we'll even get a guest by then. If you want to be a guest, you have something to share about your grief and loss journeys, whether it's death or not. We're happy to have you. Yay. Yes, we are. Thanks everybody. Have a good Thank week. Thank you. Bye-bye everyone.